moment as we, uh, as we head towards Vision Sunday called Own the Vision. And this has been a journey that we've been going on over many months to be able to get to this point as we understand more of who we are as a church here at Brackenridge and how God is leading us into the future. But before we are able to understand where God is calling us to in the future, uh, the, there are some important building blocks that are a foundation to, uh, to moving forwards. And last week we began with the first and most important building block of, uh, of this series, which is understanding why we exist. What's the reason that Brackenridge Baptist Church exists and we do ministry, services, events, etc.? Why do we do any of this? And this is so important because as we move forward into the future that God has for us, we don't want to just be shooting off in random directions. We know that God wants to be at work in a specific way through that, uh, through us. And we saw that last week, the way that God is wanting to work through us, the why of, uh, of our existence is to experience and share the life, freedom and hope found in Jesus. And we, found, uh, we see this really clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 3, uh, that the Spirit calls every believer to experience and share the life, freedom and hope found in, uh, found in Jesus. Now, this is uh, immensely important because everything that we do, when we align ourselves behind this common purpose, the more that we will begin to see these things, life, freedom and hope, be realised in our own lives and also other people's lives. But today, we are going to be uh, speaking about the next building block, which is understanding the who of, uh, of Brackenridge Baptist Church. What makes Brackenridge Baptist Church who we are. What defines us collectively together as a group? What are the things that we value? Now, whenever you go into a new setting or a new group of people, it will be uh, pretty easy to see that there are certain things that every group values together. Uh, When I first went to Bible college, I uh, I really experienced this. So when I was uh, about 20 years old, I I went off to, to Malian Bible College and uh, and I was really enjoying the lectures, um, and I began to, uh, to hang out with other students during lunch times, and the, one of the first lunch times, I went and sat with uh, people who had been students for a really long time, and it was pretty quick that I, I began to pick up some of the, the things that these students valued, and some of the, the in things that were unspoken and part of this group. Uh, Because uh, when I began to to, uh, spend more time with them, I realised that these Bible college students were just really lame with their jokes. They spent all of this time joking about Greek language things and Hebrew language things, and I just thought, these guys are super lame. As I began to do my Bible college journey and spent more time uh, there over the... Uh, over the years. Uh, I was sitting down again at lunchtime, being one of these experienced Bible college students, and suddenly I realised I'm the one who's making Greek jokes. I'm the one making Hebrew jokes. I have taken on these values of the, uh, of the people who are here around me. Even now, when I go to pastor's gatherings, there are certain uh, unspoken things that are almost valued within the group, like we make weird uh, jokes that no one else would appreciate about 
uh, different denominations and we, we speak about Baptists in a, in a certain way as well. All of these different things, different groups have different values and things that are unspoken that, uh, that happen within a, uh, a different group. And this is true uh, in the church as, as much as anyway, as much as anywhere. Every single church has certain things that they value and hold dear to their heart. But the thing is that the longer that you spend uh, in a part of a, uh, of a church community, the less you begin to recognize that the values, uh, the less you begin to recognize the values that are a part of your community because it just becomes normal for us. And this is true for our church. There are certain things that we value more than other churches do. If you walked into any other church, even if they did the same things as us, even if they had a similar style of preaching or similar uh, style of worship, there are still going to be inherent differences in, uh, in any other church that, we, uh, that you go to because all different groups of people are made up of different values. This is true for every church, and this is why no two churches look the same. It's also the reason that as we look towards vision and where God is calling us, that we shouldn't try to be like any other church that we see around us or online, because God has placed this group of people, this community together uniquely so that we can express God's kingdom in our context, where he has placed us. And this is why defining values, who we are, is essential. These are things that we're going to be speaking about this morning that we are committed to as we move into the future. People who join our church in the future will know that these are the things that we value. When we approach certain situations or think about certain ministries that we want to run, it will be through the lens of these values that we speak about this morning. Our values are like the soul of our church, the things that are a part of us that often go unnoticed or unacknowledged and yet are so core to who we are. Now, this morning, we're not speaking about core beliefs or doctrine. Uh, we are not saying uh, in any way that these are superior to, to anything that we see in Scripture. Um, these are not things like uh, that we believe that the, that the Bible is the inherent Word of God. These are core doctrines of ours. We believe that prayer is important. We believe in the life the saving life, death and resurrection of Jesus uh, and the impact that that has on, on our lives. We believe all of these things, but that is not what we are speaking about this morning, nor are we speaking this morning about where we are going to uh, long-term in the future. What we are talking about is what uniquely makes up us here as a, as a church. And to discern this, uh, what, we do, what we did is we released some surveys in our community uh, last year, uh, and along with a time of prayer, it became incredibly clear, this was actually a fairly easy thing to be able to do, it became really, really clear the things that our church values together. And there were five clear biblical values that shape who our church is here together. And the first of these values was family. First of these values was, was family. 
Now, when we say this, we're not saying that we value families over any other generation. We are a multi-generational church, and that is something that is very, very important to us. But what we're talking about is that we believe that we should have, uh, that we value here, sorry, uh, relationships that are deeper than just friends We value relationships that are deeper than just being church attenders or acquaintances. We believe that there is a a deeper sense of belonging that we have here together as a church. In Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 20, we see, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Throughout the New Testament, we see multiple uh, different expressions of our identity after we come into a relationship with Jesus. And one of the uh, clearest uh, identity changes that happens in the life of the believer is that we go from being, um, uh, being uh, having no uh, no father or no relationship with God, to God becoming our, our father. We are now adopted into the family of God. We are now adopted sons and daughters. And here in this passage in Ephesians in 19 to 20, it's really, really clear that we are not just adopted as sons and daughters up, down to, to God. Yes, we have a new father, but we are adopted into a family, into a household together where there is something deeper uh, in our relationships with one another. Now we are brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the language that we see. If you are a Christian, you belong to the largest family in the world, and we believe in being family here in our church. Now when you're born, you don't get to choose your family. Some of you... Might, uh, might resent that. <laughs> now, that's true for, uh, that's also true for our church. You might have chosen this church years ago when you first came here, but as, uh, as other people uh, come and, and join our church, uh, things can possibly change at different times. Um, and we do want to be a, an open family that welcomes every single person here into our midst. But families can be messy at times. They're not always clean cut or easy and nice. Uh, and I've experienced this myself, both in church family and in my family growing up. Um, Now, some of you uh, who tuned in online for our first sermon this year, you would have seen my brother sharing a uh, a message. Um, And I've heard from some people, oh, isn't it great that there's uh, a couple of preachers in your your family, as two brothers who are are preachers. Um, I don't really see my brother in that light all all the time. He's simply... Chris to me, and there's different memories that I have of my of my brother that would be uh, that would be unique only to me. One in particular that I might have shared here uh, in the past. There was a, a time when my brother was just he's a middle child, so this is what middle children are, are like. But uh, he was uh, he was annoying me one day and uh, just teasing me and, uh, and mucking around with the, with the back of my head. Uh, I was in upper high school, so uh, 
I, uh, I was not very happy with my brother continuing to annoy me in the same ways that he did when I was younger. And as he was doing this, what did I do as a, uh, as a high school student? I reached back and I, it was genuinely accidental, but I must admit, I did hit him in the face. Now, this was not a, a very good moment in our, uh, in our relationship because it's the only moment that I remember that me and my brother, it was on in this moment. This was uh, not, a, not a very sanctified moment in our family, uh, in our family relationship. Anyway, it was on um, and uh, it continued on for about two minutes. Mum was not very happy in this, uh, in this moment. And then suddenly we realised what we were doing and, and we just started laughing together. We thought, isn't this funny what, was, uh, what we were, were doing? Um, in the meantime, Mum was not very happy with the... the she was not laughing about the, uh, about the fact of, uh, of what was going on. Um, but I just remember this moment quite, uh, quite clearly because it... Uh, it was one of these moments where family was very, very messy for us, and yet at the end of all things, we still came together as brothers, we still uh, loved one another, we still shared with one another, and we were, um, yeah, things uh, moved on after that. And in our church family, as happens in all families, there will be moments where we don't necessarily always see eye to eye, where we will have differences about certain things. But what you see about families is that you come back together. You support one another. You defend one another. You work through things together. You don't leave when things get hard. Even in moments where things are difficult, you love one another. And I love in our church that this is something that came through so clearly from many of you that you value the sense of family that you have been able to experience in this church. And many of you just expressed through the surveys that I was able to read that you haven't had an easy family background yourself, but it is in this place, in this community, that you have found a sense of belonging more deeply than you would have thought uh, that you would be able to. So this is something that we, that we value. We believe that church is more than a place. It's a family where we find our true sense of belonging. So we value family, and we also value grace. Everyone is welcome at our church. No matter what your past, you are welcome with us. Now, when I got feedback about people uh, through these surveys, uh, about people who had been joining our church, so often the feedback that I had read was that when people came here, they didn't feel judged or rejected because of anything in their life, but they experienced people welcoming them in with open arms, with grace. And this is a wonderful thing to be a part of. Being a church that is full of grace is a beautiful thing because this is exactly what Scripture tells us to do and to be. In Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I love the language that we see here in these couple of verses, that our conversation should be marked by grace and should be seasoned with salt. 
In, uh, in ancient times, salt was used for a multitude of different purposes. It was used for healing. It was used as a means of currency. It was used to preserve things, and it was used to bring flavor to things. And this is how our, uh, our conversation is to be with, with one another. There should be something special and beautiful and wonderful about our conversation that is different than how people speak in the rest of the world. Our conversation should be seasoned with grace. And I think this is something in our world today that is different to the rest of the world. Speaking to one another and having conversation and showing grace towards one another. Because in our world right now, we are constantly faced with this message of, if you disagree with me, you are the enemy. There is no longer grace in conversation in the majority of our world anymore. And how beautiful a thing if the church is not a place like this, but if our conversation is something special, marked by grace for anyone who comes through our doors. And this is how our conversation should be with all people. Our conversation should be different, seasoned with salt, tasting different from the rest of the world. It should be marked by grace. And I am thrilled that people have experienced this as they have come through our doors. So we value family, we value grace, and we also value diversity. We don't all look the same and we celebrate that. We see beauty in being united and loving in our diversity. This is something that the church has valued for uh, a long time, and I, uh, I would say that this is something that the early church valued as well. Something that was very distinct about the early church was um, uh, during uh, ancient times and with most uh, many cultures around the world today, people were born into a community of people and they were born into a religion and that was simply uh, the religion that they followed for the rest of their life. Uh, and so uh, you never saw multicultural or multi-ethnic uh, religions in ancient times because people were simply born into, according to where they were born, they were born into a certain religion that they would follow. And yet the early church was different because people from all different nationalities, Jews, Gentiles, people from all different places were coming to know the Lord Jesus as their, they were coming to know Jesus, their Lord and Saviour, and worshipping Him together. This is something very, very different in the early church. And it was something that is spoken about um, in the book of Revelation of what heaven is going to look like. Different nations and different people coming together, worshipping God. In Revelation 7, 9 to 10. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Isn't this a beautiful picture of what eternity is going to be? People from every tribe, language and tongue coming together, together worshipping God for eternity. And the point of this passage is that God has invited all people from every background to join in his saving 
gospel narrative. The gospel isn't for just one group or one type of people, it is for everyone. And in our area, we have a, a huge diversity of people in our local area that we, uh, that we live in. There is diversity around cultural heritage, financial situation, age, political views, family background, and a whole lot more. There is a huge amount of diversity in the area that we, li- uh, that we live in. And this is something that has been a constant value since our, uh, our church has been, been formed. We want to increase this in our church, knowing more diversity in our, uh, in our community. We don't want a church that simply reflects ourselves. We want to be in a church that reflects heaven, where there are many, many different types of people coming together, diverse groups of people coming together to worship Jesus. So we value family, we value grace, we value diversity, and we also value authenticity. We believe in being genuine with one another. Churches where we can be our most real and honest selves. In Romans 12, verses 9 to 16, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. This passage is fairly clear on how Christians are to live in authentic community together. The very first words that we see here is that love must be sincere, it must be real, it must be genuine, it must be authentic. And then we are told how we uh, make this happen um, in our relationships with one another. We are told that if everything is going well in our life, then rejoice. If someone near you is rejoicing, rejoice with them. If your life is filled with pain and hurt, allow yourself to mourn. If someone near you is in deep pain, be the person who will mourn with them. Allow yourself and, uh, to be authentic and allow, yourself to be, uh, allow others to be authentic in relationship with you. And this is something that our society desperately wants. Constantly we hear Uh, that people are crying out for authentic relationships with one another, and yet this is something that people uh, struggle with in their everyday lives. So much of people's lives are spent trying to communicate a certain picture of themselves, whether it's through the clothes that they wear, or the house that they own, or the car that they drive, or the person they portray themselves to be on social media, constantly in our society today. We are not living as an authentic people, and yet people are crying out to be in authentic community, and we can be the place where this happens. We value authenticity here as a church. The church should be looking different to the rest of the world in this area. At the end of this passage, we're told that we shouldn't be proud or conceited. We should live in authentic relationship with one another. 
So we value family, we value grace, diversity, authenticity, and our final value of our church, we value advancements. Well-known passage, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." We believe that the church should be on the move. We won't get complacent or comfortable. We will go wherever God calls us. This was the call that God gave to his disciples 2,000 years ago. And it is the same call that uh, God is giving to us that we want to respond to together. Now, when I first joined the church, uh, it's about two and a half years ago now um, when I first joined the church, uh, and when I first came here, there were many people, many of you, who asked me uh, a question, which is, Dave, where do you see us heading to in the future? What's the, uh, where are we going? Um, what's the, the vision of where God is going to be, be taking us uh, long term? Now, uh, now, as people were asking me, me this, I was a, a little bit bit confused because uh, I could see that the desire was not just to know what my heart was, but the desire was to know, are we going to be going somewhere? Are we going to be doing something? Is there somewhere that God is going to be leading us to in the future? And I found this a wonderful thing. This is a great, beautiful thing that we have as a church together, that we desire to not be comfortable, not just come here and do the same thing in week after week, but we want to go somewhere and see more people reached for Jesus. And this was the heart of the Great Commission. There are four verbs in the Great Commission. There is, therefore, go, or having gone. There is make disciples. There is baptize them. And there is teach them. But there is one imperative here in uh, in the great uh, in the Great Commission, which is to make disciples. This is something that every single disciple that marks uh, every single disciple. They should be a disciple maker. It's an imperative for every disciple to be making disciples. It's assumed that this will be happening. It's assumed that God's kingdom will be expanding through His people, and this is the heart of our church as well. We are a church that doesn't want to stand still. We are a church that wants to advance the kingdom of God here on earth. All of these things that we've spoken about this morning, I know this has been a real fast forward through all of these different values. This is really actually five sermons in one, and I'm going to be preaching more about these later on, through, uh, later on this year. But all of these things are are things that have come from the heartbeat of our own church. These are not simply words up there on the screen, but these are things that we value deeply and want to pursue and live out because this is how God has made up this group of people uniquely here in Brackenridge. A people of family, grace, diversity, authenticity and advancement. These are the things that our church has held dearly for many years. And all that we are doing now is we are bringing clarity to the things that we already value. And as we look to the future and look at these five different things, there are three things that we need to do as a family, values, grace, diversity, authenticity, and advancements. Uh, 
Three things that we need to do. We need to cling to these values. There are times in churches when, uh, when people may question our identity of, of who we are, but these values, these five things, they inform what we do, how we speak to one another, and how we will handle things that arise in the, in the church. So first thing, cling to these values. Second thing, grow in these values. These are wonderful biblical aspects of who we are that we should celebrate and grow in. Because we have family, grace, diversity, authenticity, advancement, doesn't mean that we should stop growing in these. So that's the second thing. Cling to these values, grow in these values, and live out these values. Don't allow these to just be words up there on a screen. These are the things that have clearly come out of us as a community here at Brackenridge, and we don't want to leave these just as words. We want to allow these to be lived out in every area of life. Cling to these values, grow in these values, and live out these values together. Let's pray. Yes, Lord, we, um, we do just want to thank you for the way that you have been at work in your church for generations, and particularly this church here. We just want to celebrate your love and your favour and your mercy towards this group of people and the many, many people who have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus uh, as a part of this church. Um, but Lord, we don't want to become complacent. We don't just want to look to the past and only celebrate what has happened there. We want to look to the future and understand how you're wanting to work through us as we continue to move forward. We want to see your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. We want to be a part of that. And Lord, as we look to the future that you have for us, we know that you have shaped us in a certain way that is unique to us. And Lord, we do want to live that out. We don't want to try and be like anyone else. We know that you have made us unique here as a community of people seeking to live out the Great Commission together, wanting to bring life, freedom and hope into people's lives. So Lord, I really do ask that as we reflect more on these things, being a a community that values family, grace, diversity, authenticity, and advancement, that we will cling to these things. We will grow in them, and we will live these out wherever we are. Thank you for how you work in, uh, in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.